Yo, yo, yo. Guess who's back? Me. I'm back. Welcome back to the Been There, Done That podcast. I'm your host, and I go by Ben. I know I haven't been here in like a month, and I am ready to get back to it. Uh, Welcome to episode 31 of the Been There, Done That podcast. Episode 31, which makes this your Priest Holmes episode. Shout out Priest Holmes, Chief's legend. If you know, you know. Um, Episode 31, I'm ready to get into it. Obviously, haven't recorded an episode in about a month, so I'm glad to be back. Finally back in Hot Springs, had a good, nice break, which I'll, I'll touch on briefly before we dive into the, the meat and bones, or the steak and potatoes, if you will. Um, but yeah, good to be back. So here's what we're going to talk about in today's episode. Uh, first up, I'll give you a quick little recap of my break. Um, like I said, it was a good time, uh, and I'll give you a recap on what, what was going on. Um I'll also give a quick recap of the last month for the Chiefs. Obviously, I haven't been here in like four weeks, I think was the last time I recorded one. So it's been a while since we gave an update on how things were going and my thoughts and what's everything that's going on. Uh, so we'll we'll give a, a look at that. And then we'll also look ahead to the playoffs because the, the Chiefs play their first playoff game in three days. And if we're being honest, that's when the season starts for the Chiefs these days. Uh, and I think that's a partial answer to everything that's been going on all year because the season's finally about to start which i'm looking forward to and we'll obviously we'll we'll look ahead to that and then we're also going to look at big picture in the nfl uh, the playoffs uh, what to expect my predictions for the playoffs and then how my preseason predictions ended up so we'll 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 rewind a little bit go back to my my predictions from august and uh, for each division winner, see how that how they all turned out. Did I do well? Did I not? Stick around to find out. Uh, and then a quick little shout out to Mizzou. Um, we'll 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 talk about them at the end of uh, the end of the episode today. Uh, Missouri football, Missouri basketball. Not much to talk about right now. There's not much that I want to talk about. But Missouri football, riding pretty high. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that for for a little bit there at the end. Uh, and then of course, um, it is a new year, but we are still. All about tradition, so we're going to finish up with an office quote of the week. So, without further ado, let's let's jump right in. So, first things first, my Christmas break, solid. I can't complain. I went home to Kansas City. I watched a lot of football. I watched a lot of Harry Potter. Uh, nothing really significant happened, which is you know all you can really ask for. It was just relaxing. I, I sat at home and didn't do a whole lot. And it was great. Great to get some rest. Uh, and then when there's football on seemingly every day for like two weeks, I mean, you can't you can't ask for much more than that, right? So I had a great time. Uh, played a lot of Fortnite, if I'm being honest. It's still fun. Um, you know, played some video games. But all in all, fun break. Fun little uh, conference in... You know, uh, there's a little ranch outside of Fort Worth that uh, for my job in K-Life, we have a, a January conference every year, first of the year, um, where we go and kind of reset and refocus and get ready for the year. And it was a good time. It was good to see some old friends, uh, fun to, you know, we, we had this, it was, it's like this ranch where there's some turf baseball fields. It's, it's kind of like a, used more for baseball, for youth baseball tournaments in the summer, but um, obviously no one's going to be renting it out in January. So we got to kind of have the whole place to ourselves and just play a little bit, you know, and even at 27, sometimes you just need to play, you know, so we got to do that. It was a good time. And then 
flew home, bada bing, bada boom. Here we are back in hot springs, uh, rolling with the spring semester and into 2024. So that's a quick little recap of my break. It was, it was a good time, well rested, ready to dive in and I mean, just do a cannonball here into these NFL playoffs because um, this may be my favorite time of year. As you know, it's just it's a lot of fun, and so there's a lot of stuff to, to talk about. And before we get there, I do want to give a a few notes from the the past month or so regarding the Chiefs. And before I I briefly go over each game from the last month. Um, I do want to share something that I, I think the NFL script writers, they don't want you to know. All right. And I, I listen to quite a few podcasts. I, I, I keep up, I'd say pretty well with the NFL as a whole. Um, and this is not something that I've seen anywhere. This is, this is one of those, like, this wasn't inspired by anyone. I, I kind of figured this out on my own. And so not to toot my own horn, but toot toot. Uh, here's the, here's the sitch. Here's the deal. The the Chiefs have played, what was it? They've played five opponents in a row through the end of November, I guess, beginning of December. I forgot the exact dates. But they played five opponents in a row where the opponent they played had more rest than they did. All right, so to explain what I'm talking about, when they played the Packers, um, the Packers' previous game before they played the Chiefs was on Thanksgiving. So... You know, that's on a Thursday. The, the The Packers had 10 days of rest against the Chiefs, seven days of rest. Okay. The, the following week, the Chiefs played the Bills after their bye week. Uh, I think I may have mentioned that in one of my last podcasts before break. Uh, the Bills had a bye week, so they had 14 days off as opposed to the Chiefs, seven. Okay. Uh, the following week, the Chiefs played the Patriots, who the previous week had played on Thursday night football. Uh, so the Patriots had 10 days of rest as opposed to the Chiefs' seven. Uh, the following week, when the Chiefs had their real big clunker against the Raiders, uh, the Raiders had also played the Thursday game before they played the Chiefs. So the Raiders, as well, were on 10 days of rest as opposed to the Chiefs' seven. And then the, even all the way up until the New Year's Eve game against the Bengals, the, the, the week before, uh, the Bengals were on... Eight days of rest as opposed to the Chiefs seven because the Bengals played on the Saturday um, on Christmas Eve as opposed to Christmas Day. And actually, no, you, well, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm doing the math in my head. The Bengals played on that Saturday and the Chiefs only had six days of rest because they played on Christmas Day rather than, than Christmas Eve. And so the, uh, the Bengals had eight days of rest as opposed to the Chiefs six days of rest. Okay, so... You know, five games in a row where the Chiefs' opponents had significantly more rest than they did. Uh, now, I don't want to sit here and say that is the only reason they struggled so much. Because I don't think that's true. They still, it was all within their grasp for the most part. And a lot of it just came down to mental mistakes and them beating themselves. But, the NFL was not going to sneak this one by me. Not me. Not today. Not this guy. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure. I believe that it was whole, you know, fully intentional that the NFL did that. But I also have a hard time believing that the NFL was completely unaware that here during the stretch run of the season, the Chiefs, you know, which I'm sure they knew 
but as they, you know, think about the NFL when they're planning out their season and they're, they're putting the schedule together. They have to know the chiefs at this point in the season are going to be basically well locked up for the playoffs. And they're mostly playing for, for seeding. Uh, and they have games against the bills and they have against the Bengals two teams that I'm sure at the beginning of the season they had in their mind, were going to be right there with the chiefs uh, down to the last weeks, you know, as they have been the last couple seasons. And it's just odd to me, I guess, that five weeks in a row the Chiefs play a team that is going on more rest than them. Which it it, it makes a difference. I know it, it's it's sometimes hard to totally believe that when we watch the games and it's like six days versus seven days. What difference does that make? And, and I would just tell you that from everything I've heard from NFL players and from everything I listen to, every day matters. Every day makes the difference. Uh, because you think about if you play on, on, let's say you play on a Monday one week and you play the following Sunday and say so you're down a day, um, you basically lose your, your rest day throughout the week. From what I understand, the NFL players, they, they take a following, you know, usually the, the day after their games, they'll probably get together and, and watch film, um, but may not be too physically demanding. And then you have a couple days of more, you know, heavy, you know, pads on. More, a little bit more intense practice, and then maybe some lighter walkthroughs tor- towards the end. But you use every single day for with a purpose. And when you have less time, you know it's either less time to heal or less practice, or or you miss out on something when there's less time. And the same, you know, on on the flip side, is true when you have more time. You you have more time to let your body heal. And for anyone that's ever done a hard workout or been sore from something, you know. A lot of times, if you just wait a day, it gets better. And and the reality is, when so you look at these examples of these teams having more time off than the Chiefs, every day counts for them to get their bodies healed up a little bit, you know. And I, I again, I have a hard time believing that it was 100% intentional, but I also have a hard time believing that the NFL was completely unaware that this was going on. And so... Hopefully that doesn't turn out quite like this next year uh, because it's really, it, I don't want to use the unfair or use the word unfair because that sounds like, I, I feel like I'm like a child just being like, it's not fear, you know, but I think it's just not though, you know, um, it should, it should only happen a couple times a year. I think where you're playing a team that has more rest than you, um, but to happen five times in a row down the home stretch of the season against multiple teams who are, you know, have a chance to be in the playoff race with you is probably something that shouldn't happen. So I just thought I'd get that out there uh, with my, you know, my tinfoil hat and all of that, my conspiracy theory self. The, the script writers thought they were going to sneak that by me. Nice try. Not going to happen. Anyway, let's move on to some actual football things. Uh, these games, not a great stretch for the Chiefs, obviously. Um Going back to, you know, the last game that I didn't cover was, or the first game I should say that I didn't cover was the Patriots. You know, they won 27-17. It very could, easily could have been 34-17, but they took a knee basically on the goal line as the clock was running out, um, you know, kind of out of mercy. And we've seen that three or four times from the Chiefs this year, uh, which is something I think to keep in mind when, when we look at, I think the Chiefs right now, they're 11th in the league in scoring or something like that, you know, it, it 
I can't help but wonder where they would be if all three of those times when they were on the two or the one yard line at the end of the game with the game locked up, if they would have just put the ball in the end zone, where their scoring average would be, you know, where they would rank. And they, I got to think they'd move up a couple spots. Um, and so, again, the numbers are a little bit misleading when you see that they're 11th in scoring. They're, they're honestly, they're more probably closer to seven or eight, but it is what it is. They're, they're not worried about the score. They just cared about getting wins. And there's really not a whole lot to talk about because it's the Patriots and they were terrible and Chiefs win. Um, and another horrible play from Tony, who brought out a side of Mahomes that I don't think we'd ever seen with the frustration towards the teammate, which is very interesting. Um, the following week, is, I think you could argue the low point of the season when they lost 20-14 to 14 to the Raiders. I think it might have been their worst loss uh, since they lost to the Titans back in 2021 when they lost 27-3. to 3. It was a game that just really didn't show up. The game, honestly, it was it was a direct result of turnovers. Mahomes made that bad throw. They got was it a pick six, um, and it happened right after that goofy handoff play. They tried the thing they tried to do where they tried to have Pacheco hand it off to Mahomes, and it was just a train wreck. And they fumbled it in the scoop and score. I mean, so just these goofy things going on. These two defensive scores, and that's all the points the Raiders needed to win. I mean, you look at that game, Aiden O'Connell. The last pass he completed was with two minutes to go in the first quarter. He went three quarters without completing a pass and still won. You know, and so I, I, it's really just one of those games that the Chiefs, you just burn the tape and move on of just kind of how, what kind of a train wreck it was. Um, kind of ruined Christmas, if I'm being honest, because uh, it took out any chance of the one seed for sure, but it really took the Chiefs out of contention for the two seed as well, um, which is kind of a bummer, but it is what it is. Here, so here we are. Um, Tough one against the Raiders, obviously. The following week against the Bengals, um, I know the first reaction for a lot of people is the the six field goals. You know, you, you hate to have to settle for a field goal six times. Um, it's kind of annoying, but I, I still feel that this game was a bit of a turning point in a way that the offense, I think, took a, a huge leap in the right direction. Right, They, they averaged seven yards per play, which that... Mark would lead the NFL by a significant margin. All right, I think the, I believe the NFL league leader was the 49ers at like 6.5 yards per play this season, which is actually one of the highest of all time. It's like an incredibly high number, um, but to, to average seven yards a play is still, you know, if you're to average that throughout a season, you're going to lead the league by a wide a wide margin, and so. Again, they were moving the ball, and, and the route, you can say this about just about every game they're playing. You know, their, their yards per play is better than the other team. They're scoring more first downs. They're getting more sacks, and we've talked about this before, right? And they're, they're looking better than the other teams. They're just penalties and stalling a little bit as they hit the red zone, um, which, of course, is frustrating. We want to see touchdowns, and, and they're going to have to score touchdowns to win in the postseason. Um, but the other thing I saw in this game is I think Travis Kelsey mentioned this in his podcast as well, is that the, the vibe started to switch a little bit, you know, the player, he, he talked about the offense. It just felt like things were starting to, to come together, you know, not, not all the way they wanted to. Right. But, but things started to click a little bit more and you had the, the deep pass to Rasheed Rice, where from, from what I've heard, he was supposed to run like a hitch or something and then just saw that he was in one-on-one coverage and, and just said, you know what? I'm going for it. 
and and he just beat the corner that was guarding him, and Mahomes saw it, and, and they gained a, it was what seventy yard play, you know, and so that I think is huge for the Chiefs moving forward. That type of threat to have somebody out there who who can beat you over the top, because I don't know if you remember a couple of years back when when the Buccaneers beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, what they introduced to the league essentially was the two high safety, and that's the best way to guard the Chiefs. Um, and, and you know the shell covers make them throw it underneath make them take what the defense gives you and the Chiefs had a bit of a slump the, f- the start of the next season because they still wanted to throw it deep but they were every team was just playing too high safety and forcing them to go underneath um, and then obviously the Chiefs figured out how to play you know they figured out how to go against that or you know, play against that don't know what I'm trying to say there you know what I'm trying to say the Chiefs figured out how to move the ball against that type of defense and they just had to take the underneath routes and whatnot. And, and that's last year when Mahomes won a second MVP, they kind of perfected how to do that, how to take the underneath route, take what the defense gives, um, even without really having a, a home run threat, like a legitimate one, like there's no Tyree kill anymore. Um, but this year teams are look at the chiefs and go, they don't have anyone that's going to beat us over the top. And so they've gotten they've gone back to the single high safety and there's an they can double team Travis Kelsey now, who obviously is the, the number one target. And before Rasheed Rice really got things going, the Chiefs, they, they had no one to take the top off of the, of the defense. They had no one, you know, their their zone beater and um, future Hall of Fame tight end was being double, sometimes triple teamed. And it's just not a great option to throw to in that scenario. And that's where a lot of the struggles have come from is because the Chiefs didn't have anyone over the top. And so if, if this can, if this, you know, trend continues where Rasheed Rice is going to force the defense to either bring another safety up top, uh, something along those lines, it's going to open Travis Kelsey back up to be the Kelsey we've come to, to know, you know, throughout his career. And I think that's huge. And so hopefully the, the Chiefs can figure out the way to make Rasheed Rice a, um, that guy, you know, the, the idea was that MVS would be that guy. Um, but we don't have enough time to talk about all the issues with that guy because he can't catch the ball. And when he drops it, he still gets mad at Mahomes somehow. Um, anyway, I don't want to go off on a tangent there, but the team, you know, the Chiefs now are going to, they're probably still going to continue to see single high safety because teams are going to force them to try to throw the ball deep. And for she rice is I, 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 I think if they're going to have postseason success, it's going to be the guy to to do that, to take the top off the D and uh, be that threat deep that the Chiefs have so desperately needed all year. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then also with the Bengals game, it, it's very fun to hear Jamar Chase talk trash all week and then not back it up just to come in. Um, was it three catches, 42 yards? And after the game, even he tried to, you know, he tried to make excuses and be like, well, they were double teaming me the whole time and he didn't want to fight me. And like, that's just because you're immature, you know? I mean, you got mad and, and you were whining like a little schoolgirl because because uh, you weren't good enough to get by Legereus Sneed. They double, I, I, I saw a stat after the game, they double teamed him three times all game. It's not like he was getting the, the Travis Kelsey treatment. I mean, he, he was. He really wasn't double teamed all that often. There, there were a few times that Snead held him, or had, there was a PI called on Snead a couple times here and there. But 
that's part of the the process of Jake Browning realizing like, man, I can't really go to Jamar Chase because he's being locked down. And so really fun to hear Jamar Chase eat his words um, and then try to come up with some lame excuse after the game. Um, I'm at the point now, Jamar, he's going to just keep talking every time he plays the Chiefs. And it is what it is. He's just going to talk and try to get it. The Chiefs at this point, I think, should just like anything he says, should just go in one ear out the other. He's kind of on the level of Antonio Brown. Just like he can say things. It doesn't mean anything. We're not going to listen to anything he says. It's just meaningless. He's just trying to rile us up or whatever. But at this point, he just says so much. It's like it kind of loses its luster. And I think the same thing could be said for most of the Bengals. You know, ever since they they call, they started calling it Burrowhead, things have just gone south for that team, the whole organization. You know, or Joe Burrow hasn't been healthy once since that happened, unfortunately. Um, and I like Joe Burrow. He's he's a fun guy to watch. I, I mean, he's really not one taking part in all of that. Um, so I, I, I kind of feel for him that his teammates have brought that on him and on the organization. But, you know, it's fun to see guys like that just have to eat their words and look like clowns uh, so often. And it, it's fun to see the Bengals season end at Burrowhead twice in one season. Uh, or not, not, well, not one season, but twice in one calendar year. Twice in, in the year 2023, the Chiefs ended the the Bengals season at Burrowhead. So how crazy is that? Uh, anyway, enough about the Bengals. I don't want to keep talking about them. They're not worth my time. Uh, the last game of the year, obviously not much to talk about over the Chargers. Uh, I think the biggest storylines here were Chris Jones playing into, you know, halfway to the third quarter, which, if we're being honest, is a little reckless, a little irresponsible, but good for him. He got his money back that he lost holding out, you know, congrats. Uh, and I, I, another, you know, in the topic of vibes, I think it was cool to see the way the team reacted. It, it showed they really, they love him, even though, you know, there was all the weird stuff at the beginning of the year, but the team was hyped when he got that. And they, they want to see each other succeed, uh, which was, it was good to see after some of the, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Some of the issues that the team was having with chemistry or frustration, whatever, whatever you want to call it, the, the past month or so to see they, they were hyped for their teammate for him getting his million dollars for the, for that sack. Um, so that that's encouraging. Um, I also look at Travis Kelsey in this one. If, if there are any questions about Travis Kelsey's focus, or or his commitment to the team or his commitment to winning i would i would point anyone who thinks that to to this game to show he he was 16 yards away from his eighth consecutive 1000 yard season and obviously i I think all of chiefs kingdom we were kind of like let him get one drive you can draw up a play and he's gonna and get him a 16 and then get him out like 16 yards. You can you can pick that up in one, maybe two plays. Um, but Travis Kelsey, you know, for a lot of people look at him as, as some, you know, internet personality or someone who's just more focused on the media, on, on his on his girlfriend, all that stuff. He 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 didn't care about statistics. He didn't care about his record. Uh or his own personal accolades, I should say. He, what he was most focused on was was getting rest and getting ready for the playoffs. He knew what was going to be best for the team was for him to be healthy come this Saturday against Miami. 
and, and he put the team above above his above above himself, knowing that's what was best for the team. Because you know, if, if there was some freak thing that happened trying to get him at 16 yards, it would have been a disaster. Um, and and he was already banged up most of the year anyway. And a a, a healthy Travis Kelsey gives the Chiefs the best chance to win. And he knows that. And so he said, it's not worth it for me to risk that when the team needs me, you know? And so now he's going to be about as well rested as you can heading into the postseason, which is huge. Um, and I, and I think this kind of points to maybe a bigger narrative that I've heard a little bit that the chiefs, they're too focused on their endorsements or their relationships or things, just things outside of football and I just, I'll be honest, I don't really buy into that at all. Uh, I think this this game against the Chargers was a perfect example of that. Uh, you can see Travis Kelsey very much could have focused on himself, um, on his deal, on, on whatever, his stats. To, But he, he, he was focused on the team. And, you know, the, the idea that these guys, they filmed commercials for State Farm or DirecTV back in july that, that that would pull their focus away from their playoff games I, I don't i don't really think there's any truth to that i think it's it's easy in the moment when if you know when kelsey drops a touchdown pass or mahomes makes a bad throw and then on the commercial break you see them in their state farm commercial i think it's easy to be like well they need to quit focus on you know commercials and and let them or they just focus on the game or whatever. I, mean, I think it's easy to fall into that a little bit. And I, I believe me, I've been there. I've been like, I wish they would quit doing that. Like, I wish they would just focus on the game. But then I started thinking, I'm like, I don't think, again, I don't think them, them filming these commercials probably back in like June or July really has any impact on how focused they are on the team right now. And, and you can see that when they're playing, when they make a mistake, how frustrated they are, they want to win. They're focused. I, I and, and I, I think they have a pretty good balance. It's just things haven't fallen in place like they normally have. And so it's easy for us as fans. We want to try to find a scapegoat. We want to try to find an, an easy, a quick fix. Um, but I just don't think the the endorsement side of things is the answer. Because, again, it's been a while since they've even filmed those probably. So anyway, I thought I, had, thought I needed to mention that in case you were one of those people who buys into that. Because I don't, you know. Speaking of narratives that I don't buy into, there's also a big thing going around about Matt Nagy about how he's the new, about he's the problem. Like, I'll be honest, I, I can't buy into this one either. I think there's an element of it. I think he's part of it, but he is down the list. If if you're gonna go with, you know, if you're looking at the the pie and and what piece of the pie he gets, you know, he's got it. In my opinion, he's less than ten percent of the, the of a piece of the pie. Um. The the big difference between him and Bienemy that everyone talks about is the accountability and how Eric Bienemy is not afraid to give you tough love and be the be the bad cop. And again, I'm just trying to think about this logically. Like, think about take Kadarius Tony for example. When, when he drops the passes, or honestly, when he tips those balls up into the air, when he had he the drops pass and and the, the ball just gets shot up in the air and all of our hearts kind of just stop because the ball's floating in the air, heading right for the, the defender, which happened multiple times this year. I don't think it's like 
as the ball is about to hit Kadarius Tony's hands, he goes, well, Eric Bieniemy, he's not my coach anymore, so I can drop this now. You know, I, I won't get in, get in as much trouble. I'm not, EB's not going to be here to yell at me if I drop this, so I can go ahead and drop it, right? Or the same thing with MVS. You know, it, Mahomes threw this ball perfectly. If I catch it and, and I score, we beat the Eagles. But again, if I drop it, EB, he's not going to yell at me because he's not here anymore. It, it's just Matt Nagy now. Like, I, I think, again, it comes down to we're trying to find a scapegoat. We're trying to find a reason, you know, something to blame when Matt Nagy's not the reason. He's not the one that calls the plays. Um, I think there might be, I think the biggest issue with Matt Nagy is some of the communication when getting plays in and, and things like that. The communication between Andy and, and Patrick to, to get the plays in and the formations right. I think there's some of that, the discipline that might be lacking a little bit. But again, that's not really what anyone's talking about as the reason the Chiefs have had their, their struggles this year. So it, what it really comes down to is turnovers. And that's, if we're being honest, as much on Mahomes as it is as anyone because of he's thrown quite a few interceptions this year. And I know a handful of those have been tipped, and that's on the receivers, uh, which, you know, if we're, the drops are probably a close second to what the biggest issue is this year. They would have they would have won three or four more games if they didn't drop all the passes they did. And I'm a big believer in the players are the one on the field playing. They're the ones that have to make the throws, make the catches, make the blocks. And they just haven't done it this year the way they have in years past. And so I would just caution the, you know, caution, caution people to and remind you that it's, Matt Nagy's not the one out there dropping passes. It's not because he's he's a little bit nicer than EB, so that's why people are dropping passes. You know, and in all honesty, the word accountability it, it's it's huge in my profession. And when I work in ministry with with students, trying to teach them about accountability is a great thing. But when it comes to the NFL, and like, I, I think it's a, honestly a bit of a buzzword. I think it's a word that gets thrown around because it sounds like a good word. It sounds like a high IQ word of like, man, if we just have better accountability, you know, we'll quit dropping passes. I just, I don't really buy into that all that much. I think we're overthinking it. And again, I'm not inside the locker room. I could be way off on that, but at the end of the day, you're, you're paid to make the plays. And if the chiefs make the plays that they're supposed to, they're probably 14 and three, maybe 15 and two this year. Um, but it is what it is. They have a they have a great opportunity. They, they're still hosting a playoff game, and they have an opportunity to right the wrongs and everything that's gone wrong this year. They have a chance to to really make us forget about it if they show up and do their job in the postseason, which kind of transitions over into this game. Um, the Dolphins coming to town this Saturday night. Hope you have Peacock. If you don't live in Kansas City, um, because that's the only place the game's going to be. Um, I have it personally. I have a lot of the streaming things. Anything I need to watch the NFL, I have it because I'm not going to miss anything. That's just me personally. Um, but the Dolphins, man, they are kind of limping into this game. Uh, they are incredibly affected by injuries right now. Um, they're missing their top two pass rushers for the season. Uh, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb, both out for the year. Um they're missing their four-time Pro Bowl, former All-Pro corner, Xavier Howard. Uh, they're starting running back, and uh, who led the league in touchdowns this year, I believe. Uh, he may have been second. 
I'd have to double check, but he had over 20 touchdowns this season. Um, Raheem Mostert, he's out. Uh, they're starting, I believe he's their right guard, Robert Hunt. He's a, he's a solid right guard for them. He's out. And their wide receiver, too, Jalen Waddle, who is probably the second fastest player. I mean, for sure on the field, one of the maybe top five to ten fastest guys in the NFL who really opens up that offense. Um, he's out. And so they are missing a ton of key guys. And to the point they've even signed Justin Houston, a guy who played seven games for Carolina and missed a bunch of games because of injury. And he had like two tackles for loss, I think. A guy who also kind of limping through the finish line of his career. Um, All that to say, the Dolphins are very banged up right now. Um, They've lost a handful of their recent games, not looking great. And they got smoked by Baltimore. They lost a game to Buffalo where that Buffalo really tried to give to them. Like Josh Allen, he was begging the Dolphins to, to try to for them to beat the game, beat them in that game. But they just couldn't do it. And they just, again, for something we've kind of seen from them the past couple of years, they're kind of just limping through the finish line of the season. Um, so they are in rough shape. Um, add on top of that, according to CBS Sports, um, these are some interest, interesting stats about cold weather games. Tua is 0-4 in games where the temperature was below 45 degrees at kickoff, which is kind of crazy. He's like in his fourth season. How has he only played in four games under 45? Um, that was interesting to me. But um, the Dolphins actually, as a team, have lost 10 games in a row where the temperature was 40 degrees or below. And they've lost those games by an average of 17 points per game. And I was reading this article on CBS, and it went back all the way to 2017, I believe. So you need, you do take that back farther than most of when these guys were even on the team, let alone in the league. Um, but that's not good. <laughs> they are clearly a warm weather team. They're used to playing, you know, this week in Miami, it's like mid seventies and they're probably going to be practicing in that all week long. And it's supposed to be like five degrees at kickoff with a wind chill of probably negative 15 in Kansas city. Um, and that is going to be a rude awakening for for Miami because I mean you look at they played the the other places in in the AFC East where they would play where it's cold they played most of those games early on in the year right they played New England or they played in New England week 2 in September and they played at Buffalo I think week 5 or 6 or something like early October late September something like that so again it wasn't really cold yet and they just haven't really had to play in that those kind of conditions so when you look on the other side of it the chiefs i I was surprised by this as well but the the chiefs are nine and one in their last 10 home games in sub 40 degree weather including four and oh in the playoffs so the chiefs are kind of built for this and i would argue they're even built for this more so this year than they have been in years past where they've been the past first team and you can argue right now they're a run first offense Obviously, things still revolve around Mahomes and the ability and the things he can do, but they are a ground and pound team with with Pacheco right now. Who, if I'm a Miami Dolphin, you know, if I'm if I'm the Dolphins and I'm like it, it's it feels like negative twelve out here, and I got Isaiah Pacheco running at me for the 18th time in this game. Am I really like? I don't want anything to do with that, <laughs> you know, uh, and. Not, not even, not to mention the way the the Chiefs' defense has come uh, together as one of the three best defenses in the league. 
Um, they're they're built for this, right? So if we're being honest, all, all of the signs are pointing towards the Chiefs should have this game. Like they should be the team. To, like it's their game to lose is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Vegas only has them as four point favorites, which I find a little interesting. Um, and you, I, I mean, Vegas usually knows they usually have a pretty good idea of what's going on. Uh, and so I, I'd, I'd love to see that number a little bit higher, but I think a big part of that is just because of the chiefs lack of offense this year or their lack of ability to score. And so I think that's a big part of why that number is so low. Um, but again, the reality is this is everything's right there for the chiefs. You know, they, they're, they've got the home game. They've got a team limping into, into their stadium in this playoff game, a team that struggles in cold weather. Um, and so th- they really should take care of business. And hopefully w- with the experience that Andy Reid, Mahomes, Kelsey, whole squad, everybody has, they should take care of business. And I think they will. Um, we'll get to all the specific game predictions here in a few minutes. But before we do, I, I do want to go over... Actually, real quick, the last thing about the game specifically, and I think you could make a case for this for every game the Chiefs play. Uh, the formula is simple. If, if you just take care of the ball and you force Miami to, to have a long, to sustain a long, uh, methodical drive, I don't know if they're going to be capable of doing that in these conditions, in this scenario. And I think if you do that, if, the, if you're the Chiefs, you do that, you'll be fine. You know, take care of the ball, um, take the points when you have them available, and make Miami go like take away the big plays contain Tyreek Hill the way you did in Germany make them go on long sustained drives and mistakes are going to happen the ball is going to be rock solid it's going to be slick uh, weird things are going to happen just take care of the ball and you'll be fine but now as I was saying before I do want to go through some of my preseason predictions um, and who I had winning divisions and how the, all that how all that shaped up and so, first up, AFC South, I had the Jaguars winning. Missed that one. The Texans won. In the AFC East, I had the Dolphins winning, which they were a touchdown away from making that happen. But the Bills did win the AFC East. Um, the AFC North, I got correct. I picked the Ravens to win that. AFC West, I picked the Chiefs to win. Um, shocker there. The Chiefs did win. Closer than it should have been, but they did. NFC South was probably my biggest miss. Um, I had the Saints winning it. And the Buccaneers ended up winning. You know, I had the Buccaneers in last. I did not expect them to be relevant this year, but they were. Um, the NFC East, I got pretty close to almost perfect. I had the Cowboys winning it, um, which they did. I had Eagles in second, which they were. Um, the NFC North, I picked the Packers to win. I think I thought the Lions were going to be a wild card, but uh, I had to flip-flop those teams, and the Lions ended up winning the division with Packers as a wild card. And then in the NFC West, I picked the 49ers to win it, which they did. Uh, so my totals, I had four of the eight division winners correct. You know, so not great, but not terrible. I mean, literally the definition of average. Um, three of those that I the, the picks that I missed were either one game or a head-to-head tiebreaker away from being correct. Right, so. If I'm not mistaken, the the Saint, you know, I like I could look at the Saints and the Buccaneers. I think they were both nine and eight, but the Buccaneers had the the, the tiebreaker over the, the the Saints, and because of that, the the Buccaneers got in, bu- bleh, sorry, the Buccaneers got in. 
So again, that that's one of those I'm a I'm a tiebreaker away from being correct. Um, in the AFC East, same thing. The Bills and the Dolphins um, had the same record, but it, it came down to the tiebreakers. Um, they had the head tiebreaker that the Bills won both games, and then in the AFC South, the same thing. It was just a one game. You know, the Texans ended one game above the Jaguars, and it was all because the Jaguars just really choked pretty hard in the last game against Tennessee. Um, so they were, you know, almost they were one win away from being the winner. So, and then you look at the last; th- those were the three that were either a tiebreaker or one game off from being right. Then you look at the NFC North, which was they were two or three games back of the Lions, the, the Vikings, or the sorry, the Packers were. But even in that one, I, I picked the Packers to win the division, which they didn't. But they got hot at the end of the year and still made the playoffs. So, you know, it's not really not too far off. Um, so all in all, pretty solid. You know, I picked eight division winners. Um, five of those teams made the playoffs. Um, the other three were very close. They were a game or a tiebreaker away from making it. So I feel pretty good with my predictions. Um, pretty solid. Now, looking ahead to the playoffs. Uh, I want to go round by round and tell you what's going to happen. All right. You can call Vegas with this right now because I feel like this is exactly what's going to happen here over the next couple of weeks, over the next month in the NFL playoffs. So starting on the AFC side, Ravens have the bye. Um, you have Texans versus Browns. I like the Browns to go into Houston and win. Um, Joe Flacco is just playing with kind of house money at this point. Um, their defense is Probably the best in the league by my money. Um, they got kind of a de facto buy last week. They played all their backups because they had the five seed locked in, and they just have a little bit more experience than a, a rookie quarterback, rookie head coach. You just never know when it comes to that. So I like the Browns to move on in round one. Uh, Chiefs versus Dolphins, like I mentioned before, freezing cold temperatures. Um, Dolphins aren't great in that. Chiefs usually are. Dolphins are limping into the game. Uh, Chiefs have the experience um, all the way around. I like the Chiefs to move on. And then the Bills versus the Steelers. I do think the Bills are going to win that. I think the Steelers might make it a little more interesting than people are expecting. I've heard a lot of talk about how bad the Steelers are. Yet, Mike Tomlin still makes things more interesting than they should be with, with the talent that's on that roster. And... I would be overjoyed if the Steelers found a way to go to Buffalo and win. It would be hilarious. It'd be awesome. Um, but I, I think, I just, yeah, I just don't quite see that happening. I don't think that they have quite enough firepower. And Buffalo has been uh, the the more the ball has been taken out of Josh Allen's hands, Buffalo has gotten better. Like the the more they've relied on the run game and James Cook and their defense is playing better. You know, the more they've not relied on Josh Allen to be Superman, the better they're they're playing and they're finding ways to win. And I think they do find a way to win by three or four points. And so the divisional round would have, um, by my prediction, would have the Ravens hosting the Browns and the Bills hosting the Chiefs in round two. And Ravens against the Browns, I'm taking the Browns. I know that sounds kind of crazy the way the, the Ravens have played this year and they're coming off of, of a week off. Um, but you look at it, they're also basically going to be coming off of two weeks off because Lamar and, and the starters didn't play in the last week of the regular season. They're not playing this week, so they're they're basically going to have three weeks off. And I think there's always a fine line between getting a week of rest and then taking too long and, and getting out of your rhythm. 
because the last month of the year, the Ravens were the best team in football. And then now they're not going to play for two weeks. Um, three calendar weeks, two football weeks of no game. And the Browns are a team that know them. Uh, they're not scared of them. They've already beat them once this year. Um, and they have a quarterback with playoff experience. Uh, all that paired with the fact that Lamar Jackson does have playoff experience, um, a playoff experience of losing. He, he has one playoff win in his entire career. And, and the reality is, I think, I look at, you know, if Cleveland goes in and scores a touchdown early, and then there's some kind of, there's like a turnover and they kick. If they're, if they're up 10, nothing early, I think immediately it's going to enter Lamar Jackson's mind. The, the narrative about how he's not good in the playoffs. It's that that's one of the, it's going to be hard to escape. And all of a sudden the pressure really starts to build up. And, and that's when you make mistakes and things kind of start turning. And it would not shock me to see the Browns go in there and, and beat the Ravens um, next week in the division around. Um, and so on the flip side, Bills versus Chiefs, I'll take the Chiefs. I know what happened in the game last time, and it was another one of those. The Bills tried to hand the game away. They really did. Um, but, I, you know, Kadarius Tony lines up four inches farther back. It's a different story. And <clears throat> a lot of it comes, to, I, I keep mentioning playoff experience. Um, the Chiefs have it, and the Bills have it to an extent. But, again, a lot of it is playoff you know, a lot of their playoff experience is just falling short and losing to the Chiefs. You know, that's that's a big portion of their playoff experience. And so I think they stick to that and lose to the Chiefs. And from there, we'd have the Chiefs versus the Browns. The Chiefs would actually find a way to host the AFC uh, championship game, the Arrowhead Invitational, if as you were, um, for the sixth straight season. And, of course, I would take the Chiefs in that one. Uh, I won't go too in-depth in the, the matchup there, but... I, I do like, it, you know, if the Chiefs were to face the Browns in, in that game, I, I would take the Chiefs, obviously. I think the rally is I'm going to take the Chiefs regardless of who they're playing. If, you, if you've listened to me, you know. Uh, I pick the Chiefs basically every time. It is what it is. Um, they haven't, you know, in the postseason, that, that hasn't really been a, a strategy that's been to, you know, treated people pretty well by going with that strategy. So, um, on the NFC side... 49ers have the bye. The Buccaneers play the Eagles. The Eagles are in complete free fall right now. Um, Baker, he's kind of hurt, but he's also got that dog in him that the Eagles don't have anymore. Eagles lost that, and they just aren't good anymore. They've been maybe the worst team in football over the last month besides Carolina. So I like Tampa Bay to win round one. Uh, we uh, the, another Next game, Lions and Rams. Maybe the most interesting storyline of the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Matt Stafford coming back to Detroit. You know, the first playoff game Detroit's hosted in like 30 years and it's going to be Matt Stafford that's going in there. Um, and I kind of like the Rams in this one. I think they're back to being healthy. Uh, Stafford is hot right now. Kyron Williams, he, he missed f- four or five games and still was second in the NFL in rushing. Um, Cooper cup who two seasons ago had 1800 yards is their second best option now. Um, because Puka Nakua has gone crazy this season, the rookie receiver. And I think the Rams just have, are kind of firing all cylinders. And so I like the Rams to beat the Lions in round one. Um, and then the last game, Cowboys and Packers. You know, Packers are playing well, for sure. Um, but Cowboys don't really lose at home. And so I like the Cowboys in round one. Uh, the division around in the NFC playoffs would uh, be the 49ers versus the Rams. Um, 
I would like the 49ers in that one. I think it would be a good game. The Rams give them some issues matchup-wise, but I would take the 49ers. And then um, Cowboys hosting the Buccaneers. You know, Buccaneers at that point, they'd probably just be happy to be there. And again, Cowboys don't lose at home. So I I like the NFC Championship to be 49ers-Cowboys. And at that point, while every bone in my body tells me to take the 49ers, I'll take the Cowboys just because I did preseason and I want to be right. So that's what I'm going to go with. So go Cowboys, I guess. And then you got Chiefs and the Cowboys in the Super Bowl, kind of like I predicted in the, in the beginning of the year. So that that that's still very much a possibility. It's on the board. And if I get that right, I, I, I'll be pretty pumped. So I'm going to stick with it. Because I could still be right in my preseason prediction. How sick would that be? So Chiefs over the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. I'm still sticking with it. So there you have it. That, that's what's going to happen to the playoffs. Again, you can take that. You can call Vegas with that. I feel I feel good. I feel really good about that. Um, so that's going to do it for the NFL talk. Uh, now just for a couple minutes, I do want to go over some things with Mizzou football, who had a great 2023, um, probably their best season in a decade, uh, maybe longer. Um, he obviously huge win, huge win for the program over Ohio state in the cotton bowl. Uh, something I, I noticed was that the three best seasons I've ever seen Mizzou have, they've won the cotton bowl in all three seasons. Um, you think of the 2007 season where, you know, they were, they beat KU, um, and then they lost to Oklahoma in the championship, and they just got hosed by not getting into a BCS game because they lost in the championship, even though they were better than Kansas, and Kansas got in. Don't really want to open that can of worms right now, but they played in the Cotton Bowl, um, even though they were maybe the third or fourth best team in the country that year. Um, so they played in the Cotton Bowl and destroyed Arkansas, which is fun. Uh, 2013. Their second year in the SEC, they win the SEC East, lose to Auburn in the SEC Championship game, go back to the Cotton Bowl, and they uh, beat Oklahoma State, um, which was a fun one in the Cotton Bowl. And then, of course, this year, 2023, you know, their two losses were to LSU, who had the best offense in the country. They had the Heisman winner, a game I was at that was tough. And then you you lose to Georgia on the road by nine, a game you you have a chance to win at the end. Um, Nothing really to hang your hat about. And those are your only two losses, you know, very, very solid year for Missouri. Uh, Cody Schrader ended up leading the NCAA in yards per game. He was the best running back in football. He was an unbelievable story. Um, as we know from Truman state to come and earn a scholarship and, and turn into the best running back in college football. I mean, what a story, what a guy, what a player. Um, I'm, I hope he gets a chance uh, to play on Sundays consistently. Cause he's a, he's a dog. You know, he really is. So um, huge for Mizzou, huge for Schrader. Um, and honestly, looking forward, things are probably looking even better for next year. You know, on paper, they should be. There, There's, uh, by my count, there's only two games on the schedule they might not be favored in. <clears throat> Their game, they're going to play at Alabama. Um, very few teams are going to be favored playing at Alabama. And then they've got home versus OU. Um, and that one, it could be a toss-up. And you never know. Oklahoma was better this year, um, but Missouri's kind of stealing their players left and right. And so I think Missouri's going to be favored because they're going to be at home. But you just never know. OU they could be tough. Uh, but all the other games are very winnable. And 
I think even a 10 and two Missouri team in the SEC is probably still going to be in, in good position to be back in the top 12, which next year will put you in the playoffs. And so I, I like Missouri's chances right now um, based on their recruiting class, based on the, the players they have returning, right? Their quarterback, their star receiver, um, a handful of guys on defense, some of your better defensive players. And you've got Schrader's leaving, which is tough, of course. But then you've got there's a running back from Georgia State who I think was top five in the country in rushing this year who's transferring to Missouri. And so I don't know if you're going to miss too much of a rushing attack there. Um, things are looking great for Missouri next year. Very well could be in the playoffs, you know. Um, and so they, they're they looking very good and very real chance to be better than they were this year. Um, and so all that being said, knowing what I know about Mizzou, they'll probably go eight and four and play in the Idaho Potato Bowl. So we shall see. Um Hope that doesn't happen, but it wouldn't shock me because that's what Mizzou usually does when they have expectations. So anyway, time for the office quote of the week. Um, I think this might be the first time this guy has made the office quotes of the week. Not sure. Uh, But the quote is, uh, she's right, Andy. You're being a jabroni. And that quote comes from Stanley Hudson. And I think it's a little bit under the radar because it's in season eight, one of the less known, you know, or one of the seasons that doesn't get as much love as some of the earlier seasons and rightfully so. Um, but the fact that Stanley mentions the word jabroni there, is pretty great uh, because we've can in Kansas city have come to love the word jabroni because of Travis Kelsey's message to the Cincinnati mayor last year, which was awesome. And so I just had to give one last goodbye to, to the Bengals fans uh, for all of their, you know, their players being clowns. Um, and talking all that trash and then not backing it up. And so you all were being jabronis and now you get to watch the postseason from home. So have fun. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, it is good to be back. Uh, we should be back on our normal weekly routine now. And so I do expect to be um, back to posting episodes weekly. And of course here in the NFL postseason as things really heat up um like i told you before one of my favorite times of the year should be a lot to talk about throughout the next month and so like i said we're going to be back on a weekly basis to bring you that content that i know you have been craving that you've been missing over christmas break and so i'm I'm back we're back so that's going to do it for today once again thank you guys for listening um and yeah i hope you have a great super wild card weekend. Um, so until next time, as always, go Chiefs. <laughs>